This is the age, we're told, of not only the high-tech, but also of the disposable. These days, the stuff we buy is so technologically complex that it's not only too expensive to mend, it's hardly worth the trouble. We can simply go and buy another one. So why is this television show so fascinating? Welcome to the repair shop, where much-loved but broken treasures... This is amazing. It is absolutely brilliant. ...are brought back to life. Welcome to my universe. It's pretty marvellous. Furniture restorer Jay Blades. It's so nice that we can be part of that kind of history to just keep things going. And a dream team of some of the country's most skilled craftspeople. I'm having a lot of fun, and I'm really liking the end result. Sounds like teamwork. Bring their talents to bear on beloved pieces of family history. Look at that. I'm liking what I see. Yes. You beauty. Utilising expertise passed down the generations. I'm going to teach you how to do it with your fashion. All right. Transforming priceless pieces of family history. Oh, my goodness me. The repair shop team will resurrect the items. Oh, gosh. The memories. I'm going to have to hug you. <laughs> and the stories behind them. Oh, look at that. Oh, thank you so much. Can't see it because there's tears in my eyes. <laughs> This is a very emotional job to do, but incredibly worthwhile. It's the BBC TV series The Repair Shop, of course, where heirlooms are repaired by experts. And there's a reason that it's not only a huge hit at home, but here too. The skill of the craftspeople is certainly breathtaking, but it's the story behind the objects that's really at the heart of the programme. So this year, Standing Room Only will feature our own repairers around the country whose skills are saving precious objects. They may be musical instruments, books and furniture, or in today's case, teddy bears and dolls who need a lot of TLC. We're in Palmerston North, where Keith and Faith Martin run the Dolls Hospital. Their patients also include die-cast scale models and dolls' prams, as well as a wide range of toys. We have a big photo gallery of repairs in progress through to completed projects on our webpage rnz.co.nz slash only. I asked Keith how he and Faith came to open a hospital for toys. We owned a toy shop in Fielding. And I happened to be sitting there one winter's day and it was miserable outside and there was nobody around. I thought, I'm bored, what can I do? And I thought, because at that stage, I used to act as an agent for, for a doll, doll doctor from the Hawke's Bay. So I thought I can repair dolls. So I started doing that and I had arrangements with uh, the local uh, bulldozer driver at the local tip and he was my source of spare parts. Uh, if there was anything near waiting to be ploughed in and it was a doll or uh, in particular, he would uh, hold it and uh, I'd go up and collect them. So you just have a natural ability to to tinker, to repair. That's just part of who you are. It is. It's part of my working life, actually, because the um, first job I had was as a typewriter technician, fixing typewriters in Wellington. And then I left there and joined the Air Force So, and uh, went through 12 years in the Air Force as a uh, an engine uh, mechanic and also a... Uh, instrument electrical mechanic. I left the Air Force with all those those engineering skills. And it's been very, very helpful in repairing dolls, toys, anything, uh, because they all have a, an engineering part somewhere. Keith tells the story about when he was 
10, 11, 12, something like that, when he took his watch apart. No, it was a clock. Oh, the, oh, sorry, it was a clock that he took apart. A family apart. clock. <laughs> and um, his, his mother or father said, you put it back together again. And he did. So, yes, he does have a bent for, for fixing things and finding a way around things. Um, he's very good at it, I might add. So, Faith, given that you are clearly a team, do you have different roles? And what, what is your skill set for this? My skill set is the, the sewing um, set and the arty, crafty set, I suppose you might say. I um, paint the dolls' heads and embroider faces and I make the dolls' clothes. And, but the, the stuff that I do mostly is repair teddy bears and soft toys. So that's, and I've always been a sewer and a knitter and I've done lead. I've been a crafty sort of person that just, comes through my, my mum, I suppose. She was one, one of those as well. So that's my role, and it's got busier and busier. I wondered if shows like The Repair Shop, um, I know it comes from the UK, but it's insanely popular over here. Have you noticed that perhaps people are going to their attics, to their wardrobes, and bringing out much-loved toys and having a think about having them repaired? Absolutely. And, in fact, we've had people say, until they saw the repair shop, they didn't realise that their old toys could be repaired. And what we're noticing is that some of the, the dolls and teddies we're getting are older and older and um, need more and more repair. So some of the stuff we do, we actually have to take, in my case in particular, got to take the whole teddy bear to bits and often soak it and clean it and then put it back together again and do all the darning and make the face and put the eyes on it, all that sort of thing. So, yes, definitely the repair shop has had a huge impact on what we do. I don't know why I find those images quite confronting on the repair shop when the teddy bear <laughs> has its head taken off, very gently, of course, and the stuffing taken out. But that is simply what has to be done. Absolutely. And sometimes we have to tell people, look, I'm really sorry, but we're going to have to take teddy bits because, as you say, some people find it a little bit confronting, but it just has to be done because you can't, particularly if you're, if you're tightening limbs on the teddy bears and soft toys, because, and that is actually Keith's job, he has to put new discs and things inside, but you can't do that unless you take the teddy bear to bits. So that's, that's what has to happen. I noticed, actually, going, when COVID started, that people had a time on their hands, the lockdown situation sort of thinking, what can I do? Well, they, they probably think, run, I can tidy up the place. So they, on doing the part of the tidying, they were finding things that they didn't, they'd forgotten about, you know, up in the, up in the rafters or hidden away at cupboards in the garage and the sheds. And a lot of these things were old toys, not just dolls or teddies, but just toys alone. You know, fun ho toys, die-cast things. And then, of course, uh, the repair shop became very popular and our business sort of picked up dramatically. We were always busy prior to that, but it's, since then it's become uh, frantic because uh, people want these older things. They've got so many memories. They want them fixed. And, Keith, I guess yeah. I mean, one thing that's worth talking about is that difference between repair and restoration. And often people don't want or need their toy or their pram or their tricycle to come out looking like it's you know just come out of the shop some of the damage is part of a toy story yes that's right it's because 
those dents and marks and teeth marks and ballpoint pens and everything else, I've got a, I've got a memory for them. So we usually say that we, uh, we do our best to conserve it. Uh, we keep as much as we can of the original pieces and we just repair it so it doesn't, get any, doesn't go any further. Uh, in some cases, some of that means Faith spends a lot of time scouring op shops and second-hand places for old teddies, old toys. Oh, fabrics. With fabrics, for fabrics, so we can match fabrics as much as we can, which is a problem with teddies because they fade so much. But we've managed to do quite well. Faith, if you can't source something pretty much exact, I guess you have to do the best that you can. And sometimes you'll have, I think you specialise also in moulding new, I imagine fingers and toes, particularly for dolls, you know, for plastic and composition dolls. Um, they are very frail, can be very frail, these old ones. Oh, absolutely. And you're quite right. We do do the best we can. And one of the things we say to people, not necessarily with I guess with teddies, but other types of soft toys is that we cannot sometimes find that old fabric that, that because the fabrics change over the years. We can't find that fabric. But Keith's right. I, I do what I do quite often is I'll go into op shops and things and find old soft toys that, that have the same colour or fabric that, that I need and I, and they'll become donors really <laughs> to the, the toys that I'm that I'm mending. So that does happen. And Keith does do moulding uh, and he makes um, very intricate pieces for dolls and things that, that have lost their fingers. What else, Keith? What else do you make? Oh, um, I make joints for a spring load of joints for action man figures because they're, they're, their shoulders and elbows and have a, a rubber that holds the two together. But he cannot get those pieces. So I've I've made a spring-loaded joint for the out of the shoulder in particular that uh, mimics basically what the rubber was doing. Do you use 3D printing, Keith? No, I don't. I've, I've had it done because, for instance, on dolls' prams, some dolls' prams have little hubcaps on the wheels. Uh, and, of course, well, you can't get those. And even getting a second-hand one, or it invariably it's density like crazy. And it's hard to get some. But what I've done there is that I have the three common hubcaps, types of hubcap, I got 3D printed. Uh, and they, uh, they work very well. But that's the only thing I've done with 3D printing. Faith, I know it's been almost 40 years, so you've got a lot of memories to try and troll <laughs> through. But what would be one or two of the... Uh, the jobs that have stayed with you in terms of your, your memories? Maybe they were a huge challenge or maybe it was a response from the person who brought the object in? Both things, really. As you said before, these are people's memories. They're precious, precious memories. And they might belong to parents or grandparents. And, we, and just lately, you've been getting a lot of those. The one that I remember quite vividly was a chipmunk that came in that this person's mother had made it had been beautifully made it had little tiny fingers made of leather it was absolutely beautiful but it was really really dirty and needed totally recovering which I managed to do and it came out looking really really well and when the person picked it up she actually cried because it you know brought back all that memory 
So that was lovely. And um, another one that was a real challenge was one where a dog, and we get a lot of a lot of toys where dogs have had a crack at the toys and the teddies and, and they go for faces mostly, so it can get a bit tricky. And so um, managing to find a way to mend these things, to bring it back to as much as like as it possibly can, can be very challenging. And I must admit, I do enjoy getting success at that and, and having people say how well they look. And one little boy who came and I'd mended his teddy as he was going out the gate, I heard him say, oh, it's just like you. And I thought, that's just lovely. So it does make you feel good when you can do things like that. Same question for you, Keith. A couple of the, um, the yeah. tougher assignments. Not really tough in some respects, but one that really stands out is this, um, this mum come in with her little, little toddler who was about three, I suppose. She comes in and brought this little doll and she's so shy and she's clutching this and she really didn't want to let it go. And then she sort of begrudgingly handed it over to me. And um, and just to be, she was actually obviously reassured that I, I, we've got a little bins and things we put them in. So we, actual fact, I've got a bed out in the workshop as well that we can put the dolls and things in. And I put, I put it in the bed and tucked it in and she, she went away quite happy. She was just going out the door and her mum said, what about your backpack? Suddenly the light bulb flicked and she turned around and took it off and gave it to me. I said, what's in there? She said, new clothes for the dolly when she comes out of hospital. That was fantastic. See, here I was thinking that primarily what you're doing is repairing toys for adults. But I think what I love about both those stories is that these are children, because we live in a society where things can be replaced, but toys can't be in the same way. Oh, well, we'll, look, we'll just throw that one out and we'll go and get you a new one. Toys are different. Absolutely. And, and, and a case in point was one that I've just done recently, and it was a little tiny teddy bear, and all it needed was the head sewn on. This teddy bear came from Levin, and so um, I quickly did it because it really wasn't a big job. And the person came and got it the next day because obviously it belonged to a child and was quite important to the child. So we do get those sort of toys as well, precious, precious ones for kids who barely want to let them go. And it can be tricky at times, but we try and hurry to get those ones done so that doesn't be too much traumatic for the child. Keith, both of you clearly do your research. I guess this is more so for these historical toys and, say, rocking horses and tricycles, uh, because you may get something that's been overpainted. Do you have to then think, well, am I going to keep it this colour? Or once you realise that maybe what is now green was once red, do you have those kind of dilemmas sometimes? Sometimes, but generally when things come in and it looks like it's been painted, I asked the whoever brought it in, can they remember what colour it was originally? And I we try and do it, do it the colour that they used to be. Uh, others say, you know, or give give us photographs of the way it was some time ago, which, and we we match the colours and as much as we can. Sometimes you've got to add lib a little bit. Uh, we had a, a rocking horse that came in. It was white. Okay, so white's fine. They were fine with that colour. Where do you put the uh, the black spots the uh, um, on a white horse? There, they've always got black spots somewhere. 
on the side of the neck, on the on the, around the backside, and, and things like that. So uh, a little bit of um, research, a bit of Google and books, we can generally come up with something that is very very suitable. We had a a Maori doll come in once and had a, a moku, and uh, it was very very faint. And uh, we did a bit of research on that. I think its doll came from Taranaki, and so we found out what was sort of I think it was a common sort of moku in that area. So we we repainted that as uh, as closer to the, uh, the original as we could we could get what we thought was original. Gosh, that would be really important to get right. What was the feedback from the owner? They thought it was fantastic. Absolutely. Faith, what would be one of the oldest uh, dolls or teddy bears that you've worked on? Oh, we've had them over 100 years old. The one that, that springs to mind is a little doll that that belonged to somebody's mother or even her grandmother. And it was tiny, but it had no face. And we thought, you know, that the owner and I thought that this had been probably handmade way, way, way back. And as long as they could remember this doll had had no face. It had been tucked away, very, very precious for somebody for a long, long time, but it was going to be somebody's special birthday and she wanted to get this doll, you know, sort of with a face on and looking like it was a doll. So I did some research and in conjunction, you know, collaboration with, with the owner, we chose something that looked as though it could have been like it because it was a, you didn't want it to be too elaborate because this was a homemade thing but it had to be in keeping. So that was probably one of the oldest that I, that I could think of. It must have been extraordinary um, for you as you worked on the, on the face, though, you know, it, the face, the eyes, the was, character. I know. It was quite, quite nerve-wracking. Um, even though I had photographed what I thought might work and woman was quite happy with it, it, it was still, you know, I was changing the doll or I was, because I couldn't obviously get it back to what it was because I didn't know, didn't know what it was. Um, so I was adding my history, I suppose, to the history of the doll. And um, it was a little bit nerve-wracking, but, but she was happy, so that was, that was good. You, you'll be working on some very old um, items too, of course. Keith, and I guess one of the things that you'll appreciate as you take them apart is the workmanship, particularly these older pieces. Some of them are very, very, dolls in particular, they have sometimes mechanisms inside and there's so many different types of mechanism in there. But these really old dolls, they were so intricate and they were so amazing, the workmanship and fitting this so intricate little piece of mechanism inside that doll and getting it to work properly. Uh, And, you know, going back a hundred plus years, eyes that, well, the, the eyes would, would move sideways, swing sideways, but also the eyelids themselves had another mechanism that opened and closed them. So the, the eyelids and the lashes came down over the eyes. So there was two mechanisms just in the eye system alone. And, and it's, yeah, it's challenges, but fantastic. You can really appreciate the, the workmanship and the yeah, the design of these things going back, you know, it's hard to imagine that, that sort of thing. Faith was talking about restoring a face. I think um, voice boxes must be another thing that often go. Can you repair or replace those now? 
You can replace them. You can't repair them. Most of the voice boxes and dolls are, are a sort of a ma-ma thing. As you, as you turn it over on its tummy, it goes ma-ma. There are a tube, which is probably maybe 75 millimetres long. And it, inside, it's got a, a ceramic weight inside. With, and on that weight is a, like a little reed valve like you have in, in woodwind instruments. And as it goes down the tube, the air goes through the reed valve and goes, makes go mama. But because you don't want this ceramic weight dropping that 75 mil just going clunk, clunk, and have a very, very thin rubber diaphragm, like an extremely thin balloon that is attached to that, and it, and it just slowly allows that, that ceramic weight to fall down and sort of stretches. You can't repair that because after a while they perish like rubber does, and they get little tears, and then the, the thing just goes clunk, clunk. You can buy replacements. They're made in Germany. So I have a good, you know, I've got I've those as well. And the same with growlers for teddies as well. They work the same way. I've got the replacement growlers for those. So um, when it comes to some of the other music boxes, they are battery driven and, uh, and parts of those. And they have a little record inside, like the old phonographs. And uh, you turn that on or pull something out of the baby, the dolly's mouth, and it operates a switch which turns it on and, and the motor turns which turns the record and there's a little needle on just like a gramophone and it says something it might might sing or it may have a little phrase that it says mummy I want to I want to drink or something like that. Uh, you can get replacement motors and you can replace the rubber drive like a rubber band and I have do I have some brand new records to put in. Uh, but anything else other than that, uh, you can't get parts. Used to be able to, but a, there was a company in, in America that made all those sort of devices, but um, they've long gone. So yeah, it's very tricky. Sometimes I can get it. I can get a, a, a music box like that. It's in working in really good nick. So. I've got the odd one of those, but then again, I've got a, a big box full of other parts. <laughs> yeah. You've got a whole shed full of parts. Got a head shed full of parts. <laughs> yeah. You've got to work at it. I mean, it's people's, people's things, and you don't like them going away, and I haven't been able to fix it. Keith and Faith Martin, who run the Dolls Hospital in Palmerston North,